0: It's october eleventh, twenty twenty. The music world loses another legend, and the iconic guitarist, one and only, Eddie Van Halen. Jimmy's getting buckets, Danny Green is not. Morris throws the ball away, yet all the blame's placed on LeBron James. Saturday Night Live turns forty five today. Speaking of forty-five, your president says he's doing just fine and he's immune to the coronavirus. But I call fake news. His lies won't fly for too long. Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. This is Over the Culture podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like flies. Flies, they serve no purpose. They represent shitty things. They're attached to shit. They're attracted to shit. They're attracted to shit heads. What's up everybody, I'm your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblack, Reefer Sutherland, the most interesting blurred in podcasting, Luke Flytalker, the fly on the wall of all things fly, pretty fly for a podcaster, all over pop culture like flies on shit, Steve G. And this is over the culture. Who are the ad wizards who came up with this one? What's up, boys and girls? How you doing? My cultivating cultivists, my people. Did you bathe today? Did you wash your ass? I know it's a lazy Sunday. Be honest. Did you bathe? Come on. We're not going to be sloths. That's one of the deadly sins. One of the seven deadly sins, says the vulgar, profane podcaster. Are you a bather or a showerer? And do you scrub or do you just go through the motions? Do you just waft in the in the soapy, sudsy water? Do you just loofah all over your body or do you scrub? You got to scrub, bro. You have to scrub. And I'm only telling you guys this because I care. No days off from bathing slash showering slash scrubbing. You ever just bathe and just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm going through emotions, I'm taking a bath, I'm taking a shower, and you don't really scrub, and you don't do that for a couple of days, and then the day that you do scrub, and you're just seeing all this excess filth on you, coming off of you, and you're just like, oh my goodness, there's no telling how long this dirt has been on my fucking body, on my being, scrub thoroughly, some days when you have those darker rags and you kind of just you're you're a little lax with it because you don't see the dirt, but when you get those white rags and then those yellow rags, those those lighter colored rags and, and you just see that dirt and that just kind of like pushes you even more to scrub throughout the whole process and those showers are a little bit longer cuz it's like damn, I've been fucking slacking on my bathing. And I'm a grown ass human being. I'm an adult. That ever happened to you, man? It happens. I know why it happens. You go through the, you know, you, you're in a rush for where you got to go places, and you just kind of like, all right, I'm going to bathe, and then, you know, on some days when you got time, you actually like, oh, shit, uh, man, I'm, I've am i been showering every day for, for a while, but I still got this dirt. Damn, I've been tripping. Don't forget to scrub, people. Get the back of those kneecaps. Get that belly button, bro. That belly button probably smells like expired cheese. Get that belly button, man. Get the back of those kneecaps. Get between the toes. Get the bottom of your feet. You do not want to have yabba-dabba-doo paws. You don't want the bottom of your feet looking like mechanics hands. Wipe the back of your neck, your nape. Get the nape. Get Get the lower back. Get all that shit that you can reach. Sometimes some people need assistance. Some people can't get those places. But yeah, man, no scrubs. I mean, I, I like I, I know with Lisa and, and, and Tion and Chili, I know what they were saying in the song, but like, no, dude, you have to scrub. Dude, you gotta scrub no days off. Fuck with like when you're in the shower forget what those girls said in the song and scrub man they're talking about a different kind of scrub they don't want no scrubs but you my bro my sis you have to scrub and speaking of scrubs did anyone see the debate how about Mike Pence man the Lord of the flies all flies on me I don't know what the fuck he's gonna do because he's a fly-by-night politician Uh, when they lose and they fucking should lose this November, uh, who knows what the fuck they're going to do, who cares, maybe he'd be perfect for fucking Lubies or, or, or fucking Whataburger, or whatever fucking franchise there is in Indiana, but I do know he needs to get the fuck out of Washington DC, out of the fucking White House, him and his Cheeto in command, and his barely a speaky English wife, all of those motherfuckers, the whole crew, Ugly Ann Conway, fucking Pence, Trump, all those Trumps, get the fuck out of there. And when you get the fuck out of there, uh, whoever's in charge of cleaning, housekeeping, or whatever the fuck, they need to scrub that fucking White House. They need to sanitize that motherfucker. Fabuloso, uh, bleach, hydroxychloroquine, whatever the fuck you got to do to make sure that place is clean and pristine for the people replacing those dumb fucks. You know, maybe him and dumb Donald should both be at McDonald's since you like ordering fucking four for fours for for national champions. uh, You know, maybe you should work in in the fast food industry because the things that you've done thus far you failed at. Uh, You know, you're a failed businessman. You're not even a politician, but yet you're a fucking president of the United States because a lot of American enough Americans are dumb enough for you to be there. Uh, So, yeah, man, I. Maybe you should both try McDonald's. You want some fries? Want some flies with that? You fucking assholes. Um, By the way, uh, Kamala Harris is not a monster, Donald John. Uh, You are, and you're a fucking douchebag as well. Um, and, And he didn't have the second debate with Joe Biden because he was still too ill. He couldn't do it. But yet he had some kind of fucking special house party that no one wanted to fucking attend or care to. The people who were there were there because they fucking had to. Uh, nobody wants to be around your fucking coronavirus fucking carcass, okay? That that was perfect timing. Uh, you you couldn't make it to the second debate because you're inept. You weren't ready. You're not built for this, fuck boy but you're you're doing just fine now. Who gives a fuck? Most of us hope you die. I, I know a lot of people aren't just gonna come out and say it, but I'll say it for them, bro. You suck, and we don't care about your well-being. We don't care about you, your your wife's well-being. We don't care about Mike Pence. We don't care about his fucking wife. And by the way, Mike Pence, for someone who's so anti-gay, you sure do have a wife who looking like a man. She looks like Mike. She looks like Miss Swan from Mad TV, and she looking like a man. And when she not looking like a man, she looks like another fucking douchebag that's in the White House. Fuck all of you guys. All right. Now I, I don't know what's going to do what they're going to do with this second debate. Uh, they're not going to have a second debate, so uh, they're going to do some little freestyle where uh, Dumpf is is going to speak his piece, say what the fuck he has to say uh, separately by himself. Uh, he, he's addressing the nation, I guess. Whatever. I'm not going to watch anything he fucking says. Uh, I could barely get through the goddamn debate myself uh, because I just can't stomach watching the motherfucker on my TV screen that I paid money for. Kamala Harris looks beautiful, though. Man, damn. Uh, uh, Indian and, and Jamaican—that's that, uh, a great mix, right? I mean, we—whenever w- w- you throw black in the pot and you stir it, 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 it usually, it, it usually is, it's a good combination. It's a beautiful combination. Damn that Kamala Harris, man. Ugh. Eef. <sighs> So, yeah, Eddie Van Halen, man, uh, that is unfortunate. 2020 took another one from us, another great one from us. And I am a Van Halen fan. Uh, Definitely not Van Hagar as much uh, like most Van Halen uh, traditionalists. I I was all about David Lee Roth as the front man. And I, I always looked at Van Halen as the band that set the tone for the 80s um extend it from other artists music from that time period and even look like watching the movies the the scores the the montage music it it all had that that happy-go-lucky feeling it was party music it, it was a good time in the 80s and the the band van halen eddie van halen his sound it it, it exemplified that in my opinion a, a lot of the sounds that you heard was like bastardized versions of Eddie Van Halen style I felt um you know they they came before they were the precursor to hair metal and you know they kind of like godfathered that to an extent uh because I don't necessarily consider Van Halen hair metal uh, but they definitely have an influence on a lot of that shit they have an influence on 80s um, like I said, I feel like they set the tone. They they laid down the landscape for the sound of the 80s. And he is a musician that will be greatly missed, man. Um, jump, uh, Hot for the Teacher, uh, Running with the Devil. A lot of fucking classics, man. And now he's no longer with us. We lost him to cancer. His music lives on though and uh, man condolences to Valerie Bertinelli and the Van Halen family has anyone been watching Fargo Fargo is back for its fourth season I've been watching on Hulu because we don't have cable uh, what's the point of even having cable but anyways Chris Rock is one of the stars in the show of, of this season and it's not your typical Chris Rock. It's a serious role, and he plays a gangster. And we're about three episodes in, and he's doing a great job. Pretty convincing. You just try to take the the pookie and all of the you know pooty tang. All just eliminate that from from your psyche for the time being while you're watching Fargo, man. And you know I, I like to see comedic ad- actors show their range. Your Chris Rocks, your Jim Carrey's, your Jack Black's. I love it. Fargo is worth checking out. I need to get back to Lovecraft Country. I am about four episodes behind, and I figure, why the fuck not just start back from scratch? But before I do that, I need to finish up Girlfriends. My girlfriends. I need to finish that. It's eight seasons. Eight seasons. And I've been trudging along watching girlfriends i'm in the final season i just started and man it's been a journey it's a great show all of the actresses the main actresses they've did a great job uh their various boyfriends who had cameos for you know a couple episodes or, or maybe a, a one-off episode they did a great job and, and the guys that they, that play their boyfriends or love interests throughout this series they're actually like known actors who were in movies um from <laughs> From Malik Yoba to Common to Saul Williams um, and just various different black actors that you've seen uh, predominantly in black productions who've cameoed in other uh, monumental milestone black sitcoms of our time. Uh, but yeah I, I I think when I'm done with this I'm gonna I might have a whole episode devoted to girlfriends because I like it that much or at least a, a segment I, I might at least devote a a segment to that show um, for what it's worth it, it gives you a very realistic approach on dating scene it shows you how guys can be on some bullshit it shows you how the women can be on bullshit and the, uh, the ramifications and the the things the, the results that vary Girlfriends, man. And, and when I'm done with that, I'm gonna get into Lovecraft Country and then I'm gonna get into the Parkers. I've been holding off on watching the Parkers because I like to watch my shows uninterrupted. I like to just sit in a binge and just and just ride that way from beginning to end, from the Ruta to the Tuta. Still listening to that 21 Savage. Oh man, that 21. Ain't he something? That's a bad motherfucker, man. And I'll be playing that shit for a while. Savage Mode 2. It's not Savage Mode 2.0. I said that last week. It's actually just Savage Mode 2. Corn. Their debut album, the self titled Corn, turns 26 years old today. Happy birthday, self titled Corn album let's talk about my cowboys, they still fucking suck, and, uh, I heard it through the grapevine that Dak might be out for a while, might be for the season, it was a pretty nasty injury, Uh, he got fucked up, apparently, and uh, he got carted off, he couldn't even walk off and just sit on the sideline, maybe, you know, shake it off, stretch it out, nope, got carted off, when someone gets carted off, that's heavy-duty shit, that's bad business, man, luckily, we picked up Dalton, From the Bengals, fucking Firecrotch, Firecrotch to the rescue, and at least Dalton has a history of taking a a shitty team to the playoffs. The shitty fucking Bengals, the garbage Bengals, the Bungles. He's took them to the playoffs at least a a couple of times. I don't even know if it's a handful of times. It's a couple of times, and that's the Bungles. So if he can do that with the Bungles, you know, maybe, maybe in this shitty division that we're in, maybe. can turn around our fortunes now the nba finals man jimmy is still getting buckets and they're pushing this to game six i saw the game on friday and it was tough man because it was neck and neck it was a great game uh it was a duel between jimmy butler and lebron lebron and jimmy butler and man if anthony davis doesn't stop hobbling i'm gonna shit a brick because i the game the the Lakers need Anthony Davis uh, and, and we need Anthony Davis to be guarding Jimmy Butler because that was the plan since they lost the first game after the first game Anthony Davis said nope let me guard him then when he guarded him in the following game he shut him down the last game not so much Jimmy took over because it looked like Anthony Davis was having problems throughout the whole game. Uh, and Andre Ugly Dollar, nigga Dala, stepped on his ankle. And I'm not saying it was intentional, but it just, that's what happened. And the nigga stepped on his ankle and uh, he just aggravated the shit. So hopefully AD is at least good for 48 minutes uh, or less. Enough to to close this game, man. Because all they need is one more. And what the Lakers don't want is to go to a game seven. They need to take over early in this game and just keep mashing on the fucking gas, man. You know, it's great seeing Jimmy Butler putting up a Hall of Fame performance, and he's definitely earned his Hall of Fame entry. He might not be a first ballot, but he's going to get in there, second or third or fourth, just off this alone. And the thing with Jimmy, he's still got some more time. He's still a young player. He's already doing Hall of Fame shit in the finals in a early early in his career, and he still got some juice left in him, man. So he's gonna put out some more blockbuster performances. And, you know, I, I hope to witness those as well, but for now I need him to lose. Uh, he plays for the Miami Heat. I want my favorite player, LeBron James, to get that fourth ring, and I'll be damned if his fucking car mechanic I've never shaved in years fucking face gets in the way of that, man. He plays for a Florida team, on top of all of that, and you know how I feel about Florida. Fuck Florida. Fuck the heat, fuck the magic, fuck the dolphins, the hurricanes, the goddamn seminoles, the gators, uh, Bethune Cookman, uh, the, fuck the, the Marlins, the Rays, fuck all them niggas, fuck all them niggas. But yeah, man, uh, you guys gotta close this shit out, and what's with Danny Green, man? Wood is with Danny Green. Jimmy can get buckets. Danny Green clearly cannot. Steve Kerr, you are not, sir. Craig Hodges, Jim Paxson, Robert Ori, Ray Allen, you are not, Danny Green. You had your moment. And... Doink. So Danny Green misses the game-winning shot. Uh, Morris throws the ball away. But yet somehow, some way, people want to place the blame and point the finger at lebron raymond james and this is why whenever they win whenever some good shit happens with his team with the lakers shit i'm giving lebron his goddamn props because more than likely he had he had a big hand in their victories of course anthony davis is a big help too i'm not i don't want to take away from that man anthony davis he's a future hall of famer But ask Anthony Davis how the second round of the playoffs was before he joined up with LeBron James. Ask him. Ask him how good of a time he had making it past the first round in the playoffs before he joined up with LeBron James in the LA Lakers. Ask him. Ask him. You want to know what what Anthony Davis is going to say about being in the second round before he joined LeBron James? You know what he's going to say? He's going to tell you he has no fucking clue what the second round was like before he met LeBron James in the Los Angeles Lakers. That's what the fuck he's going to say. That's why. That's why. I'm giving props to LeBron, the guy who took the shitty-ass Cleveland Cavs all the way to the finals in 2007. The guy who took the Cleveland Cavaliers to the fucking finals, a shitty Cavaliers team. He took them to the finals in 2018. He does that shit with shitty people around him. He does that shit with not a finals roster. There are, these are not championship rosters that he's taken to the finals. But yet he did it. Anthony Davis, he's a great athlete. I love Anthony Davis, one of my favorite players currently playing in the game right now. However, he has never made it past the first round until now. He has never had a teammate on his team like LeBron James until now. And he's in the finals. He's in the NBA finals. One game away from winning it all for all the marbles. He's there. One foot is in the door. One foot is out. And a big reason, the big reason is because one of his teammates is the one, LeBron, Raymond James. So let's not lose sight of that. Game 6, LeBron Anthony Lakers, let's fucking go. Today in sports history. In 1911, Ty Cobb and Frank Schulte are named inaugural MLB MVPs for the AL and NL respectively. Their prize is a car. In 1925, the New York Giants play their first NFL game and lose to Providence 14-sip. In 1927, New York Yankees first baseman Lou Gehrig is named American League MVP. Despite hitting MLB record of 60 home runs, Babe Ruth as a former winner is not eligible. In 1943, the New York Yankees beat the Cards four games to one in the 40th World Series to become the first team to win 10 World Series. In 1948, the Cleveland Indians beat the Boston Braves four games to two in the 45th World Series. Go Tribe! In 1960, radio TV executive John Fetzer buys a controlling interest of the Detroit Tigers. In 1967, a World Series record of three consecutive home runs hit by Carl Yastrzemski, Reggie Smith, and Rico Petrocelli of the Boston Red Sox. 1968, MLB star Billy Martin is named manager of the Minnesota Twins. In 1980, the Dallas Mavericks open their debut NBA season with a 103-92 victory against interstate rival San Antonio Spurs at Reunion Arena. In 1992, Dion Sanders, prime time, plays for Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta Braves on the same day. In 1995, O.J. Simpson cancels a TV appearance on Dateline. He's not black, he's O.J. In 1997, Dennis Rodman returns from the second longest NBA suspension of 11 games. And that was my Half-Fast Sports Report. We got the debut of Corn and series premieres of October 11th. We'll be black after these messages. In today's birthdays for October 11th, Happy 26th birthday to American football player T.J. Watt. Happy 28th birthday to American rapper Cardi B. Hey, it's Cardi B over here. Pussy poppin', eh? Where is pussy over here, eh? Happy 31st birthday to American golfer Michelle Wee. Happy 32nd birthday to American wrestler Ricochet. Happy 33rd birthday to American basketball player Mike Conley Jr. of THE Ohio State. Happy 35th birthday to American actress Michelle Trachtenberg. American football player Terrell Suggs turns 38 today. Happy 43rd birthday to American basketball player and sportscaster Desmond Mason. American actress and producer Emily Deschanel turns 44. American rapper DJ and actress MC Light is 50 years old today. American actress and singer Jane Krakowski turns 52. Happy 53rd birthday to American actor and comedian Artie Lang. Cuban baseball player Orlando Hernandez El Duque turns 55 today. Also 55 is American actor and producer Sean Patrick Flannery. American actress Joan Cusack turns 58, while American football player and sportscaster Steve Young is 59. Happy 65th birthday to American basketball player and sportscaster Norm Nixon. And happy 74th birthday to American singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer, one half of the legendary Hall & Oates, Mr. Daryl Hall. So, you know, I'm in this Saturday Night Live fan group in Facebook because I'm a nerd and I got that kind of fucking time and I just don't like the complaining of this season Uh, you know the two episodes so far have been great uh i'm a fan of comedy i'm a student of comedy uh the first episode chris rock with meg the stallion as the musical guest and then this week this just yesterday bill burr another stand-up comedian a great stand up comedian with musical guest jack white how can you go wrong you don't go wrong i haven't even seen the Bill Burr episode because of Hulu is apparently too fucking slow these days. I, I, I waited. It was nine o'clock and Hulu still hadn't updated it, but I can only imagine what the monologue was like. And the Saturday Night Live, a lot of the people in the in my Facebook group, oh, he's just too vulgar. He's too crazy. I haven't heard of it. Who is this Bill Burr guy? I just, I just heard about him yesterday. And here's my thing. If you're just now hearing about Bill Burr yesterday or this past week, that shows how little... You know about comedy, and your fucking opinion is super invalid. And no, I'm not being a comedy Nazi. I'm simply saying this. Bill Burr has been around for a while now. He was in Chappelle show. He's in The Mandalorian. He was in Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. He's done some things in his fucking life. And for you guys to think that Lorne Michaels just all of a sudden picked some ranting white guy off the street just last week. Uh, yeah, let's give him some shine. He's good to go. Nope, that's not how it went. He's actually one of the greatest comedians of our time period. He's worked with Dave Chappelle. He's worked with Chris Rock. They're buddies. They know each other. He's worked with Louis C.K. He's worked with some of the biggest names of this era. They know of him. Kevin Hart knows of Bill Burr. Uh, so, anyway, you don't have to like Bill Burr to, to be knowledgeable in comedy, But if you don't know, that shows you don't know shit about comedy. So fuck off. These episodes of SNL this season have been great. And anyone who tells you otherwise can eat a dick. Fuck you.
1: Any means necessary Things are known to pop off Like Michael Match By the window Pumping the salt off Back with a bomb track Throwing a top. I'm living on the edge You think i fall off Think i just pawn all My crafts and services For a bottle of Dom To crash the services Spit with a purpose I burn up the surfaces One year kid Man I'm hot as you furnaces. Hip hop like I'm Jiminy Cricket Add me to the team Better win a percentage And now Steve G's chillin GLC's chillin What else can I say We the illest Yeah you know I come equipped With the good rhymes Couldn't see me like Penny's mom on good time Caught slipping rigging knives through a gunfight Couldn't see me like Obanos in the sunlight Couldn't see me like her on one school nights Couldn't see me like Oprah in the food fight Could she beat it up Another beat from the man only junior James While she beat it up Can't see me, no you can't see me Can't see me, no you can't see me, can't see me no, can't see me, nah, no, you can't see me. Can't see me, nah, no, you can't see me. Spit a couple bars with them chicks just now. So I take it to the next level, bitch young style. Be running from me every time I attack it. Playing with a half-deck, full metal jacket. Can't catch up, homeboy, you need practice. I abuse bikes just like Joe Jackson. Step it up every time I spit. I'm Jeff Goldblum, dropping these spy-ass hits. I'm a speed racer, Hennessy Taster. Take this down with at least three chases want my ice coach and I like one dike. could see me like pussy on your prime night. You couldn't see me like birds in the wintertime. You couldn't see me like belemics at dinner time. Ask about me, kid with the stupid flow. You couldn't see me like the browns in the Super Bowl. You couldn't see me like the clippers in the finals. You can't see me playboy, boy that's final. You can't see me, no, can't see me. Can't see me, no, can't see me. Can't see me can't see me. Can't see me, no, can't see me. Can't see me, no, can't see me, can't see me. Did you get almost try.
0: Special mention to those no longer with us. This past Tuesday, we lost American singer and songwriter John Nash. Born John Lester Nash on August 19, 1940 in Houston, Texas, he's best known in the United States for his 1972 hit, I Can See Clearly Now. Primarily a reggae and pop singer, he was one of the first non-Jamaican artists to record reggae music in Kingston. Nash was born in Houston, Texas, the son of Eliza Armstrong and John Lester Nash. He sang in the choir at Progressive New Hope Baptist Church in South Central Houston as a child. Beginning in 1953, Nash sang covers of R&B hits on Matinee, a local variety show on KPRC-TV. From 1956, he sang on Arthur Godfrey's radio and television programs for a seven-year period. Nash was married three times and had two children. Nash died peacefully of natural causes in his home surrounded by close family in Houston on October 6, 2020, after a period of declining health. He was 80. On that same day, we lost American musician, songwriter, producer, and inventor Eddie Van Halen. Born Edward Ludwig van Halen on January 26, 1955, in Amsterdam, Netherlands, he was the main songwriter and lead guitarist of the American rock band Van Halen, which he co-founded in 1972 with his brother, drummer Alex Van Halen, bassist Mark Stone, and singer David Lee Roth. He was well known for popularizing the tapping guitar solo technique, allowing rapid arpeggios to be played with two hands on the fretboard. Born in Amsterdam, Netherlands, Edward Ludwig van Halen was the son of Jan van Halen and Eugenia van Beers. Jan was a Dutch jazz pianist, clarinetist, and saxophonist, and Eugenia was a Eurasian on the island of Java in the Dutch East Indies. The family eventually settled in the Jemden, Netherlands. In 1962, the van Halen family moved from the Netherlands to the United States, settling in Pasadena, California. Eddie and his older brother Alex Van Halen were naturalized as U.S. citizens. The brothers learned to play the piano as children starting at the age of six. They commuted from Pasadena to San Pedro to study with elderly piano teacher Stasis Calvatus. Eddie revealed in an interview that he had never been able to read music, instead he learned from watching and listening. For example, during recitals of Bach or Mozart, he would improvise. From 1964 through 1967, he won first place in the annual piano competition, held at Long Beach City College. His parents wanted the boys to be classical pianists, but Eddie liked rock music much better. Consequently, when Alex began playing the guitar, Eddie bought a drum kit for himself. However, after he heard Alex's performance of the Safari's drum solo in the song Wipeout, he gave Alex the drums and began learning how to play the electric guitar. According to him, as a teen, he would often practice while walking around at home with his guitar strapped on or sitting in his room for hours with the door lock. Eddie and his brother formed the first band with three other boys, calling themselves Broken Combs, performing at lunchtime at Hamilton Elementary School in Pasadena, where he was in the fourth grade. He would later say that this was when he first felt the desire to become a professional musician. Eddie described supergroup Cream, I'm so glad, on the album Goodbye as mind-blowing. He once claimed that he had learned almost all of Eric Clapton's solos in the band Cream note for note. I've always said Eric Clapton was my main influence, he said, but Jimmy Page was actually more the way I am, in a reckless abandon kind of way. Speaking at an event at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History in 2015, Eddie discussed his life in the American dream, saying, We came here with approximately $50 and a piano, and we didn't speak the language. Now look where we are. If that's not the American dream, what is? Van Halen struggled with alcoholism and drug abuse. He began smoking and drinking at the age of 12, and he stated that he eventually needed alcohol to function. He entered rehabilitation in 2007 and later shared in an interview that he had been sober since 2008. Suffering from lingering injuries from past high-risk acrobatic stage performances and crashes, Van Halen underwent hip replacement surgery in 1999 after his chronic avascular necrosis, with which he was diagnosed in 1995, became unbearable. He began receiving treatment for tongue cancer in 2000. The subsequent surgery removed roughly a third of his tongue. He was declared cancer-free in 2002. He blamed tongue cancer on his habit of holding guitar picks in his mouth, stating in 2015, I used metal picks, they're brass and copper, which I always held in my mouth, in the exact place where I got tongue cancer. I mean, I was smoking and doing a lot of drugs and a lot of everything, but at the same time, my lungs are totally clear. This is just my own theory, but the doctors say it's possible. In 2012, Van Halen underwent an emergency surgery for a severe bout of diverticulitis. Recovery time required due to the surgery led to postponement of Van Halen tour dates scheduled in Japan. Van Halen was later hospitalized in 2019 after battling throat cancer over the previous five years. He died from the illness at St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California, on October 6, 2020, at the age of 65. On October 6, some of Eddie Van Halen's childhood landmarks in Pasadena became memorials where fans could pay their respects to the guitar virtuoso. This past Thursday, we lost American professional baseball pitcher Whitey Ford, born Edward Charles Whitey Ford, on October 21, 1928, in Manhattan, New York City. He played his entire 16-year Major League Baseball career with the New York Yankees. He was a 10-time All-Star and 6-time World Series champion. In 1961, he won both the Cy Young Award and World Series Most Valuable Player Award. Ford led the American League in wins three times in an earned run average twice. He is the Yankees franchise leader in career wins, 236 shutouts with 45, innings pitched 3,170 and a third in games started by a pitcher 438 tied with Andy Pettit. Ford was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1974. Ford signed with the Yankees as an amateur free agent in 1947 and made his major league debut in 1950. Following a two-year sojourn to serve in the United States Army during Korean War, Ford's returned to the Yankees in 1953 and pitched for them until retiring in 1967. During his tenure with the team, Ford set numerous World Series pitching records, including consecutive scoreless innings, 33 and two-third. Wins, 10. Game started, 22. Innings pitch, 146, and strikeouts, 94. The Yankees retired his uniform number 16 in 1974 and dedicated a plaque in his honor in Monument Park in 1987. Ford served as the Yankees pitching coach in 1964 while still a player and from 1974 to 1975 after retiring. He also served as the team's first base coach in 1968. In the wake of Yogi Berra's death in 2015, George Vesey of the New York Times suggested that Ford was now the greatest living Yankee. Ford died on October 8, 2020 at the age of 91. Luke Perry was an American actor. Born Coy Luther Perry III on October 11, 1966 in Mansfield, Ohio, he became a teen idol for playing Dylan McKay on the TV series Beverly Hills 90210 from 1990 to 1995 and again from 1998 to 2000. He also starred as Fred Andrews on the CW series Riverdale. He had guest roles on notable shows which are Criminal Minds, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, The Simpsons, and Will and Grace, and also starred in several films, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Eight Seconds, The Fifth Element, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his final feature performance. Perry suffered a massive stroke at his home in Sherman Oaks, Los Angeles on February 27, 2019. After a second stroke, his family decided to remove him from life support, and he died on March 4th, 2019, at the age of 52. He was buried on the Perry family farm in Van Lear, Tennessee, where he had lived since 1995. He was buried in an eco-friendly mushroom burial suit designed to remove polluting toxins from the body while naturally breaking it down. In the aftermath of his death, the Reels channel announced a documentary titled Luke Perry in his own words. As a result of his death, his Riverdale character Fred Andrews also died, and the four-season premiere was a tribute episode dedicated to him and his character. Dusty Rhodes was an American professional wrestler, booker, and trainer. Born Virgil Riley Runnels Jr. on October 11, 1945 in Austin, Texas, he's better known as the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, who worked most notably for the National Wrestling Alliance, Jim Crockett Promotions, and the World Wrestling Federation, later known as WWE. Following his retirement from wrestling, he made occasional on-air appearances on WWE television and pay-per-views and worked as a backstage booker and producer in WWE's NXT developmental territory. Billed as the son of a plumber, Rhodes did not have a typical wrestler's physique. His character was that of the common man, known for the personality exhibited in his interviews. WWE Chairman Vince McMahon remarked that no wrestler personified the essence of charisma, quite like Dusty Rhodes. Rhodes was a three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and during his time in Jim Crockett Promotions, later known as WCW, he was a United States Heavyweight Champion and multi-time World Television, World Tag Team, and World Six-Man Tag Team Champion. He also won many regional championships and is one of seven men inducted into each WWE, WCW, professional wrestling, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. His sons, Dustin and Cody, both pursued careers in professional wrestling and performed for WWE. In his later years, Rhodes suffered from kidney failure, On June 10, 2015, paramedics responded to Rhodes' home in Orlando, Florida after getting a call reporting that he had fallen. They drove him to a nearby hospital where he died the next day at the age of 69 from kidney failure. Rhodes was cremated after his death and his ashes were spread in November 2015 by his son Dustin on a ranch that Rhodes loved to visit. At the 2015 Money in the Bank pay-per-view event, a ten-bell salute was given in honor of Rhodes, with the entire WWE roster and the McMahon family on the entrance ramp. The next night on Raw, they honored him with the video tribute and a special after Raw on the WWE Network. At the NXT tapings following his death, he was honored with another ten-bell salute. Earl Hyman was an American stage, television, and film actor. Born Earl Hyman on October 11, 1926, in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, he's known for his role on Thundercats as the voice of Panthro and various other characters. He he has also appeared on The Cosby Show as Cliff's father, Russell Huxtable. Hyman died at the age of 91 on November 17, 2017, at the Lillian Booth Actors' Home in Englewood, New Jersey. Rest easy. debut studio album by American New Metal band Korn. It was released on October 11, 1994 through Immortal slash Epic Records. Before recording the album, the band was approached by Immortal slash Epic Records after a performance at Huntington Beach, California. The band signed to their label because they didn't want to sign away all of their creative freedom. The band would record at Indigo Ranch Studios in Malibu, California with producer Ross Robinson, who also produced their 1993 demo Nita Meyer's mind. The recording took place from May to June 1994, after the recordings corn toured with Biohazard and House of Pain. The album's themes include child abuse, drug abuse, and bullying. The album cover depicts a young girl being approached by a large man who is holding what appears to be horseshoes, or possibly blades. Furthermore, the girl's shadow gives the appearance that her body is being hanged due to the position of the band's logo. Photography was done by Steven Stickler and the design was directed by Jay Papke and Dante Ariola. Ariola. The first single, Blind, charted at number 15 on the Canadian Alternative 30. The album peaked at number 10 in New Zealand as well as number 20, 72 on the Billboard 200. The debut album has sold at least 2.1 million copies in the United States and 10 million copies worldwide, according to Nielsen SoundScan, as of January 4th, 2013. The album is considered by many to have started the new metal genre. While Korn was looking for a place to record their debut album, they asked producer Ross Robinson to produce their album. After accepting the offer, Robinson suggested they record at Indigo Ranch, Malibu, California. The band would record the majority of the album there, while additional recording took place at Bakersfield Fat Tracks. Korn recorded most of the album with all members playing simultaneously, as opposed to recording instruments separately. In addition, Indigo Ranch was located on a hill rather than in the city, allowing them to record outside, resulting in the distinctive sound and quality of music given off by their instruments. The bagpipes on chutes and ladders are often thought to have been recorded on a mountaintop. However, they were actually recorded with a microphone set up at the back door of the studio while Jonathan Davis walked past outside playing. As he walked further from the microphone, this led to the sound naturally fading quieter, Korn finished recording their self-titled album by the end of June 1994. Since Robinson produced the album, his career was launched by its success, as it taught Robinson how to produce. In an interview with heavy metal magazine Metal Hammer, Davis touted Robinson's behavior, saying, Ross is a very pure and clean-spirited person, and you feel it when you're with him. He's the kind of person that can draw that out of you. I felt very safe with Ross. The album was released on October 11, 1994 through Immortal and Epic Records. During the recording of Korn, there were four outtakes: Christmas song, Sean Olson, Layla. And this Broken Soul. Sean Olson was put on the single release of Shoots and Ladders and featured on the Crow City of Angels soundtrack. Korn begins with Blind, starting with the dueling riffs of James Schaefer and Brian Welch. Lead vocalist Jonathan Davis' first line is Are You Ready? Which is now one of the band's trademarks. Davis told Metal Hammer that on the album's second track, Bald Tongue, he didn't sing a goddamn word in that song. I couldn't describe what I wanted to do, so that's how it came out. It's a really heavy sound. Shoots and Ladders explores the concept of nursery rhymes. Davis relates Shoots and Ladders uncovers the hidden messages in nursery rhymes, the first songs many of us ever hear. Shoots and Ladders, to set the record straight, calls out nursery rhymes for what they really are. I choose each rhyme for a different reason. Bye Bye Black Sheep has racist overtones, London Bridge talks of all the people of London dying from the Black Plague, as does Ring Around the Roses, then there's Little Red Riding Hood, one story tells of the wolf raping Red Riding Hood and killing her. Clown's concept deals with an incident that happened in San Diego, California, a skinhead who told Davis to go back to Bakersfield attempted to hit Davis, but he dodged and the band's road manager Jeff knocked the skinhead out helmet in the bush was about davis's drug abuse and the fear that gripped him at the height of his drug problem he pleaded for a divine intervention to deliver him from his nightmare davis explained i'd wake up in the morning and do a line to get out of bed speed in the morning i'd have it all lined up for breakfast so when i'd lay down and go to sleep i'd wake up and just snort and it's like yeah okay i'm up it was bad it's like You do one line and stay up all night, but then you have shit to do the next day, so you have to do another line to be able to keep staying up to get that shit done. Eventually, you start spinning out from sleep deprivation. You get hallucinations and shit like that. David said that helmet in the bush is about meth. It's about when you do meth and you look down at your dick and it's literally a helmet in the bush. Basically, it's what happens when you do too much drugs. Some man problems down below just another reason not to do drugs children monkey elaborated faggots lyrical themes are about lead vocalist Jonathan Davis's time in high school where he was relentlessly bullied primarily by jocks for wearing eyeliner listening to new wave and enjoying arts he was constantly called names like fag or faggot Davis talked about the song in an interview saying there's a big rumor about me being a homosexual Does it really matter? I have lots of gay friends. It shouldn't matter. I was in the new romantic scene in high school with Duran Duran as as my favorite band, wearing makeup. I got called a fag by the jocks. Couldn't walk through the halls without hearing that or being picked on. Daddy, the album's longest track, saw Jonathan Davis descending very real tears. Davis said that the song's concept deals with his childhood, saying people think Daddy was written because my father abused me, but that's not what the song's about. When I was a kid, I was being abused by someone else. I don't really like to talk about that song. Though the song ends at 9.32, the hidden track which depicts an argument between a man and his wife over a Dodge Dart carburetor can be heard at 14.05 after about 4.5 minutes of silence. According to Jonathan Davis and Brian Welch, current Metallica bassist Robert Trujillo helped them write the song Divine. By the end of 1995, Korn had already played 200 dates in support of their first album. Corn was well received by music critics. Arnop stated that the group positively encouraged America's formerly introverted apathetic misfits to thrust a livid middle finger in the face of high school jocks who would traditionally bundle them into a locker and brand them faggots for sporting hair longer than any Army buzz cut. In their original 1994 review, the Los Angeles Times wrote, Kindred to such bands as Tool, Rollins Band, and Rage Against the Machine, Korn and its singer Lyricist Jonathan Davis make their core ethic fairly explicit in songs like Predictable, Lies, and Fake. The world is a tormented, filled morass that leaves us seething with deep, internalized fears. Virtue lies in confronting those painful truths, unflinchingly, and screaming them to the world. Stephen Thomas, Erwine of All Music, gave Korn a positive review, calling the album a powerful sound, and one that actually builds on funk metal innovations of the late 80s, early 90s, instead of merely replicating them. Sputnik Music thought that although Davis isn't the best lyricist, he is able to paint very disturbing visual images in the head of the listener, especially on the song Daddy. Sputnik Music also thought that Davis' voice was what made Korn unique and that it made every song on the album interesting. They praised each of the members' skill on the respective instrument and summed it up as bass-heavy, angst written vessel of catharsis. They considered Blind, tongue Need To, Faggot, Helmet in the Bush, and Daddy to be the best songs from the album. In July 2014, Guitar World ranked Korn at number 27 in their super-unknown 50-iconic albums-that-define 1994 list. Metal Hammer considered the album to be Korn's best writing. This is a record that remains as integral to modern metal as the first Black Sabbath album, or Metallica's Master of Puppets. Korn's debut album is said to have established new metal, As said by Joel McIver, Korn was almost solely responsible for the tidal wave change that subsequently swept the metal scene. Bands like Cold Chamber and Limp Bizkit were inspired by the album's churning rage, emphasizing similar grooves and song structures and the sound's hip-hop elements. Slipknot, Machine Head, and Sepultura were also inspired by the album. The album launched the career of record producer Ross Robinson, who later produced albums such as Roots by Sepultura, Three Dollar Bill Y'all by Limp Bizkit, and the Slipknot album Slipknot in Iowa. In 2014, Rolling Stone described Korn as the most important metal record for the last 20 years. In 2018, Loudwire named it the greatest new metal album of all time. In 2017, Rolling Stone listed the album at number 30 on its list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Happy 26th birthday, Corn.
1: Hey, what's up, dad?
0: Day in 1960, the Bugs Bunny Show premiered. The Bugs Bunny Show is an American animated anthology television series hosted by Bugs Bunny that was mainly composed of Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies cartoons released by Warner Brothers between 1948 and 1969. The show originally debuted as a primetime half hour program on ABC in 1960, featuring three theatrical Looney Tunes cartoons with new linking sequences produced by Warner Brothers cartoon staff. After two seasons, the Bugs Bunny Show moved to Saturday mornings, where it remained in one format or another for nearly four decades. The show's title and link changed regularly over the years, as did the network. Both ABC and CBS broadcast versions of The Bugs Bunny Show. In 2000, the series by then, known as The Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show, was canceled after the Looney Tunes and Mary Melodies libraries became the exclusive property of the Cartoon Network family of cable TV networks in the United States. Reruns of the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show were aired on Canadian channels Teletoon and Teletoon sister channel Teletoon Retro. Prior to Teletoon and Teletoon Retro, CBC Television and Global Television Network aired the show. In Australia, episodes of the show was divided into three networks, with most episodes aired on Nine Network, and some episodes were divided on Network Ten and Seven Network since its debut. On this day in 1975, Saturday Night Live premiered. Saturday Night Live is an American late night live television sketch comedy and variety show created by Lauren Michaels and developed by Dick Ebersaw. The show premiered on NBC on October 11, 1975, under the original title NBC Saturday Night the show's comedy sketches, which often parody contemporary culture and politics, are performed by a large and varying cast and repertory and newer cast members. Each episode is hosted by a celebrity guest who usually delivers the opening monologue and performs in sketches with the cast as with featured performances by a musical guest. An episode normally begins with a cold open sketch that ends with someone breaking character and proclaiming live from New York, it's Saturday night, properly beginning the show. In 1980, Michaels left the series to explore other opportunities. He was replaced by Gene Dumanian who was replaced by Ebersole after a season of bad reviews. Ebersole ran the show until 1985. Since Michael's return he has held the job of showrunner. Many SNL cast members have found national stardom while appearing on the show and achieved success in film and television both in front of and behind the camera. Others associated with the show such as writers have gone on to successful careers creating writing and starring in television and film. Broadcast from Studio 8H at NBC's headquarters in the Comcast building at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, SNL has aired 891 episodes since its debut. It began its 45th season on September 28, 2019, making it one of the longest-running network television programs in the United States. The show format has been developed and recreated in several countries, meeting with different levels of success. Successful sketches have been have seen life outside the show as feature films, including The Blues Brothers and Wayne's World. The show has been marketed in other ways, including home media releases of Best Of and Whole Seasons and books and documentaries about behind-the-scenes activities of running and developing the show. Throughout four decades on air, Saturday Night Live has received a number of awards, including 71 Primetime Emmy Awards, four Writers Guild of America Awards, and two Peabody Awards. In 2000, it was inducted into the National Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. It was ranked 10th in TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Shows of All Time list, and in 2007, it was listed as one of Time's 100 Best TV Shows of All Time. As of 2018, the show had received 252 Primetime Emmy Award nominations, the most received by any television program. The live aspect of the show has resulted in several controversies and acts of censorship with mistakes and intentional acts of sabotage by performers as well as guests. On this day in 1987, the show Women in Prison premiered. Women in Prison is an American television sitcom created by Catherine Green, which aired on Fox from October 11, 1987 to February 20, 1988. Set in Cell Block J of Bass Women's Prison in Wisconsin, the show focuses on the interactions among the prison inmates. The show's cast include Peggy Cass, Julia Campbell, Antoinette Byron, Blake Clark, Denny Dillon, CCH Pounder, and Winnie Jo Sperber. On this day in 2006, the show *30 Rock* premiered. *30 Rock* is an American satirical sitcom television series created by Tina Fey that originally aired on NBC from October 11, 2006, to January 31, 2013. The series, based on Fey's experiences as head writer for *Saturday Night Live*, takes place behind the scenes of a fictional live sketch comedy show depicted as airing on NBC. The series' name refers to 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, the address of the now Comcast building where the NBC. NBC Studios are located, and where Saturday Night Live is written, produced, and performed. The series was produced by Lorne Michaels' Broadway Video and Faye's Little Stranger Incorporated in association with NBC Universal. 30 Rock episodes were produced in a single-camera setup and were filmed in New York. The pilot episode premiered on October 11, 2006, and seven seasons followed. The series stars Faye with a supporting cast that includes Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan, Jane Krakowski, Jack McBrayer, Scott Adsit, Judah Friedlander, Katrina Bowden, Keith Powell, Lonnie Ross, John Lutz, Kevin Brown, Gris Chapman, and Malik Pentroli. Tonally, 30 Rock uses surreal humor to parody the complex corporate structure of NBC and its then parent company General Electric. A critic for the AV Club once remarked that it usually adopts the manic pacing of a live action cartoon. The show was influential in its extensive use of cutaways, setting shortcuts to unrelated scenes showing something the characters are briefly discussing. 30 Rock also became known for its dedication to making sets extremely elaborate, once showing a set that took three days to build for only six seconds of video. 30 Rock won several major awards, including Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Comedy Series in 2007, 2008, and 2009, and nominations for every other year it ran, and appeared on Many Critics' Year End Best of 2006 through 2013 list. On July 14, 2009, the series was nominated for 22 Primetime Emmy Awards, the most in a single year for a comedy series. Over the course of the series, it was nominated for 103 Primetime Emmy Awards, and won 16, in addition to numerous other nominations, and wins from other award shows. Despite the high praise, the series struggled in the ratings throughout its run, something of which Faye herself has made light. In 2009, Comedy Central and WGN America bought the syndication rights to the show, which began airing on both networks on September 19, 2011. The series also entered into local broadcast syndication on the same day. Today, 30 Rock is regarded as a landmark series. Its series finale in particular has been named as one of the greatest in television history by several publications. In 2013, the Writers Guild of America West named 30 Rock the 21st best written television series of all time. On this day in 2011, the show Last Man Standing premiered. Last Man Standing is an American sitcom created by Jack Burdett for ABC, later airing on Fox. The show stars Tim Allen as an executive at a sporting goods store chain, headquartered in Denver, Colorado, who is a married father of three daughters and a grandfather to his eldest daughter's son. Last Man Standing is a joint production by 21 Laps, Adelstein Productions, Nest Egg Productions, and 20th Television. It's also syndicated by 20th Television. The series originally ran on ABC from 2011 to 2017 for six seasons and entered syndication in 2015. Despite being ABC's second highest rated sitcom for the 2016-17 season, the network declined to renew Last Man Standing for a seventh season. Media publications reported that ABC was unwilling to cover the production costs for a seventh season on behalf of 20th Century Fox Television. One year later, Fox announced it had picked up the show for a seventh season, which premiered on September 28, 2018. In May 2020, Fox renewed the series for a ninth season. And that was TV show premieres of October 11. And I don't really think it's fair for me to be on a jury because I'm a hologram. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission issues the first license to broadcast television in color to CBS. In 1983, Lionel Richie releases the album Can't Slow Down. In 1994, Korn, a new metal band from Bakersfield, California, launches his self-titled debut album, peaking at number 72 on the Billboard 200 and launching a new metal sound. In 1995, Tupac Shakur is released from Clinton Correctional Facility, New York, USA, on US 1.4 million bill, which was posted by Suge Knight. In return, Tupac signed a three-album deal with Knight's Death Row Records. In 2005, Warren G. releases In the Midnight Hour, and Danger Doom releases The Mouse and the Mask. In 2007, Gucci Mane releases Trapathon. In 2011, DJ Drama releases Third Power, and MERS releases Love Rockets Volume 1, The Transformation. And in 2013, MJG releases 2 Pimbin. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Congratulations to this year's NBA champions, the LeBron Anthony Lakers. Man, this is my 50th episode. 50. I've been doing this 50 times, man. Thank you, thank you to our musical guests, Steve G, Ronnie James Jr. Wait till your father disowns. Peace. Ohio.